Are you, have you been blessed today already this morning? Listen, a challenge, the challenge goes before us to actually, what does the Word of God say, and how do you know someone's a believer? We always have this question, it seems to come up randomly, how do you know someone's a believer? It's by, Jesus said in Matthew 7, you know them how? By their fruits. There's evidence of a Christian life. There's evidence of a Christian walk. And I want you to understand that this morning when we when you've had that life-changing experience, there's two things that should happen to you. Now, if you, got, if you become a Christian as a child, it's harder because you didn't have all that sinful story behind that, that baggage, if you will, to bring and dump at the cross. Still, we're a sinner because you were born that way. But if you were saved later in life, you understand, listen, I haven't forgotten what it's like to be lost, and I surely haven't forgotten what it's like to be saved, and I'll take saved any day over lostness. Amen. Well, today, listen, we're going to take God's word because I want you to understand as Christians, God fully gives us every single thing we need to make it through this life. I know this morning, if you missed Catalyst, we, we, Oren did an excellent job on this passage of scripture. I've, I told him I gave him the second hardest passage of scripture. I gave Alex the first hardest when I left out of town and Oren had the second hardest. So he's already broken the waters for us and we're going to read Similar scriptures, and we're going to see different emphasis as we look at the Word of God. How can the Word of God say so many different things? And today I want you to see this as we talk about growing up. How many of you guys actually outside of church, and, and by the way, just for the record, if you're a guest with us this morning, do fill out that Connect card, let us know how we can connect with you. But also, members, fill that out, let us know that you're here and how we can pray with and for you. Our guests, our children are today, they're in children's church today. They're, they're usually on the second and the fourth Sunday, they'll be together They'll come in at 9, and they stay all the way through to the end of service. So we're appreciative of our children's ministry for that. So if you want your children there, they're welcome to be there. And by the way, we're always a fa uh, faith family that's friendly to children. So uh, does it ever bother me that kids are loud or talking or screaming? I used to be a children's minister, so nothing bothers me. I'm a grandpa now, so I'm double inoculated from, uh, from anything. So if it bothers you, just pray and uh, move on. God, he'll grow you up one of these days that you can hear past it. All right, I'll get louder. So let's take today's word, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And as Oren talked about this morning, as I'll go back and allude to, you need to go back and look. Remember, always scripture. If there's a therefore, what is it there for? And if we're in chapter 7, I, I'm, you should know here, if you come to our church, as we go through books of the Bible, as God leads us, you should go back and read the previous chapters. Paul is setting up to the church at Corinth saying, listen, I've got some things I want to tell you. Apollos has been there preaching, and they like Peter's preaching. Some of them have been exposed to Peter's preaching, and they like uh, the other teachers in the church, and there's been some division in the church. And as we know, we've read through 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was a man who was having intimate relationships with his stepmother. So uh, very, very sinful things were happening in the church, but here's what I need you to understand. The church at Corinth was very much like the church of America today. There were so many different things that would take you away, and, and I've, I've watched this morning, I was looking around, and even, look at your neighbors, if you see your neighbor on their cell phone and they're not looking at the scripture, just punch them, just give them a punch. Because I watched some teenagers this morning, during when Oren's teaching a very important thing this morning, Oren, I was watching teenagers on their phone, either watching movies or playing video games, I'm not sure exactly what they were doing, but they were not following you in text. And listen church, why do you bother coming to church? Quit wasting your time. Go have fun out in the world and go let, sow the seeds that you wish to have. Because when we come here, you might not believe this or even know this. The church is not for seekers. Did you know that? 
The church is for those who are gathered under the banner and name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Those that might be interested, maybe you visit. I did. God was driving me. I didn't know. I wasn't necessarily looking, but God was driving me to a congregation, and that's where I became a Christian. Mine wasn't behind a dumpster. Mine was in an old country church in Virginia. But church is not for seekers. We, if we build a church for seekers, we would black out the lights. We would darken the whole space. We'd make it much like a bar. And if you've seen churches today, we're trying to be attractional instead of actually being obviously godly sometimes because we want to put the Word of God forth first. Amen? We have nothing to say unless we say it first from here. God has a word for us today in our culture. God has a word for us today in our church. Do we love people who are looking? Yes, I was one of those people. So I'm not saying we don't love, but the church is designed. It's called the ecclesia, or the sanctified ones, the called out ones. God has said, come over to my team. And when you come over to God's team, guess what we do? We worship him in spirit and in truth. You can do it individually, but when you come corporately, we come here to worship God. So if you got other things on your mind, and, and I know guys come to church, listen, And God's put this in all of us today, and and you're going to say, I can't believe we're talking about this at church. Did you know that the culture is talking about sex on every channel, every channel of radio, every channel of television, every movie that's out there, and the church is taboo? Did you ever, anybody ever grow up with the pastor speaking about sex in church? Raise your hand if you did, besides this church. Not, look around, I want you, no, I'm not being, trying to embarrass you. How many of you actually were at a church where a pastor spoke on it? Not many. So what we do is we let the culture teach our children. We're like, we call it birds and bees. We can't even talk about it the way God talks about it. Today we're talking about sexual immorality. We're going to take the word of God for what it is. And if it embarrasses you or it overcomes you with like, oh my goodnesses. I understand if you have to walk out, but this is what the word of God says. And we say as people, we believe everything in this book. Don't we say that? We believe it's the B-I-B-L-E, yes, it's the book for me. I stand alone where? On the Word of God because it's the Word of God, right? So when today we read this, the church at Corinth had written a letter to Paul, obviously, and they've asked some questions. Now their culture is, a, it's Corinth, so it's a port city on both sides. It connects two bodies of water. It's a land isthmus, if you will, but there's big ports, sailors go there, and I can't only even, you can fathom, because we say in America, well, he curses like a what? Sailor. But you, sailors get reputations because sailors are mostly men when I was in, and obviously none of those women now that are in, in, the military, in the Navy. But sailors sometimes, the enlisted especially, act like dogs when they go to ports. I've seen, I've seen friends of mine that were married get off a ship in Italy and get off a ship in other, other ports of call and go into prostitutes, and, and knowing they're married, and knowing that the average advertised rate of AIDS in the port is, they tell us before we get there, the rate is 80% among the prostitutes. And see, men get off the ship and still have relationships with women, intimate relationships with women on the port of call. So when I read this passage of scripture, I'm like, I live this, I watch guys do this. I couldn't believe how ignorant they could possibly be, because if they tell you it's 80% AIDS rate in the local area with prostitutes, what's the actual rate? It's 100%, right? They're, they're giving you a lower account, hoping that you get lucky. Listen, a lot of my friends, I'm sure, came home with stuff they didn't go away with. Amen? And we understand that today, but we don't want to keep it taboo and don't talk about it here in the church because many pastors I know, I've talked to folks, don't, don't deal with this because it's going to divide your church. Well, if the Word of God divides the church of God, something's wrong with the church of God. Would you agree? 
So if this offends you today, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to add. We didn't advertise sex in the city, right? We didn't put bulletin boards out and, and ask everybody to come in because we're going to teach you on the birds and the bees of faith. Nothing like that. We're just going to take the scripture for what it says. But I want you to be prepared for what it says because it speaks to the single person, as you'll see in your notes. It speaks to the married person. It speaks to the unmarried, which is the divorced people, or people you'll see that they were slaves that got torn apart by the masters. And it speaks to the widow. Anybody fall in that category today? Raise your hand. It speaks to all of us today. Single, widowed, married, and the unmarried. You'll see in your text. We'll see that together. All right, let's, let's get into the Word of God, and we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 16. Now, you're going to see that the, Paul progressively builds on what he's teaching. So as we get through the Scripture, you go, oh, that makes sense. If he tells us earlier to live a holy life, if he tells us to cast the man who has his father's uh, stepmother out, if he goes through the process and says, get rid of these people out of the church, he's trying to say, listen, God is purifying the church. This is his apostolic authority. He has the authority to speak this way. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Paul writes this, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, that's the letter they wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, or the italics there is does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife. Do not, verse 5, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may be, give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you uh, because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. He's going to tell his testimony here. Verse 7, For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one of you has his own gift from God, one in this matter and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn or burn with passion or burn with lust, your translation might say. Verse 10, now to the married I command you, yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to deport, depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified. We'll get to that word in just a moment. That's a little bit different word than the believer. By the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. That's a different word there as well. We'll, we'll talk about that. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to what, church? Peace, because he's the prince of peace. That's who Jesus is, Isaiah 9.6. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Let's pray together. Father, we have a lot of words today, a lot of scripture, your holy word to, to plow through. Would you give us the words of wisdom to hear and to speak, Lord, the things that you want us to speak? Let us not just keep this to ourselves. Let us internalize it, receive it, 
And then, Lord, in turn, go and share with our neighbors and loved ones because, Lord, the world is turned upside down. The world is immoral that we live in. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So I'm going to preach and try to give you the notes as well because lately I've been preaching and not giving you the notes and I've just been giving you a bullet at the end. So I'll try to give you the notes. Let's get started. Real questions, real answers. What would the church expect from Paul? Did they expect that he would actually say some hard things to them? Well, they had met him. Obviously, he had founded the church, so they knew he was very direct. Paul was lost. He was abusing the church, Christians. Paul was even killing them, having them arrested. And so now he had this conversion, and now Paul is on fire. He's been sent out to the desert for three years with God. Paul spent all this time. He's going across Europe. He's moving back down to the Middle East. He's getting beaten down, if you will, because of the sake of the gospel. Even God himself said, he must suffer for my namesake. How many of us like that idea that God would call us to suffer? Well, not many of us like it because we like conveniences and we like nice things, but God has called every believer to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? He said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my namesake. And then he goes on to other blessings. Do we like that? Anyone like that? I don't necessarily like it, but I receive it because that's what the Lord has said. Now, look at your notes, if you will. The congregation at Corinth had questions, right? Their culture was so divisive with sexual immorality. Their culture, you could describe it with one word, pornographic. They had social baths, the Roman culture. We'll talk about next week. Next week's, I got to talk in bigger words or rounder words because... uh, Paul talks about the circumcised don't become uncircumcised. And there were men having surgery to reverse circumcision. Does everybody understand what circumcision is? The cutting of the foreskin of the male's private? Uh, They were having surgery to have it replaced so they could actually fit in at the social baths. Paul's like, what are you doing? The church does not understand. The culture does not dictate our lives. The culture actually submits to the word of God. That's how you and I were saved. So Paul's going to say very clearly, listen, you're living in a very sexually immoral place, and they needed guidance. The Apostle Paul helped with their questions head on with God's holy truth. And if we think of this as just isolated, saying those sick people of Corinth, what would happen in our church today if God exposed every one of us? Have y'all ever seen the clouds that, that uh, there's figures now, uh, or even on computers and other places where the memes pop up and there's a word that says it over their, over their head or it just pops up and kind of gives a shadow? It does in some movies as well. Imagine today if I said on the count of three, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to pop up a, a group of your list of sexual sins that you've either thought about, that you've been exposed to in the last week, or that you've had a discussion about. And what would happen if on the count of three, the Holy Spirit just popped this cell above your head and it listed everything that you said, thought, or was engaged in this past, this past week? How many of us would be embarrassed? They don't raise your hand. It'd be everyone who thought about it because you're like, why am I having these thoughts? And I want to tell you, these thoughts, these temptations can come in your most spiritual time. You can actually be praying. Anybody ever have been in the middle of prayer and, and you're, you're at war and all of a sudden have evil thoughts come to your mind? Anyone? That, you can raise your hand on that because that's something we participate in. Yeah, it happens because Satan is always at work. You say, well, how would you say that? Don't spiritualize everything. I didn't spiritualize it. Paul even mentioned Satan here when he mentioned self-control. Self-control is a fruit of what? Of who? The Holy Spirit is the last of the nine listed. If you want to look at Galatians chapter 5, it, 22, I think it's 20 through 22, you'll see that the self-control is the last uh, portion of the fruit of the Spirit. It starts with love, that's the bud, and out of the bud comes all the other nine, and uh, the other eight, and self-control is the last one. So you'll see Satan at war with the Holy Spirit, and you'll see the flesh at war with the Holy Spirit. It seems like, how can the Holy Spirit win? 
The answer is, he's God. Amen? All right. Well, I want you to look at something really quick. I didn't put the scripture in your notes, but I want you to turn with me, just so you don't think that the church at Corinth is just a bunch of weirdos. Look at the church of Thessalonica. Go over to 1 Thessalonians, if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I didn't give them the notes back there because I didn't want it to put up on the screen. I want you to turn to the page and fill it yourself, all right? If you have your phones, obviously use them for Scripture. Don't be without. There's a Bible in front of you if you would need a Scripture, a Bible. Paul writes this to the church of Thessalonica. He's, gonna, he's summarizing. And this is where we get the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before he talks about the coming of Christ, which so many people today are so interested in, <clears throat> Pastor, what's happening in the Middle East? Is, is Jesus coming back? The answer every week I'm going to give you is what? Yes, Jesus is returning. Amen? When is he coming? He says no one knows, so why do we bother? Amen? Live like he's coming right now. Live every moment like he's coming at that moment, and you'll be good with God. If we do it God's way, we'll get God's results. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't stress. Pray for Israel. Pray for those, even the Palestinians who are lost. There's people going to hell today. Every time a, a rocket drops and people die, people go to hell. We should pray for those we love. We should pray for those that we don't love directly. What I mean that is I don't have a personal love relationship with. There's people we, you know you can love and not like because of their personalities or whatever it might be. We are to pray. We don't want them to go to hell. We want none to go to hell. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Are you there? Say Amen. Finally then, brethren, this is Christians, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's a big word, right? That's a word that you've been set apart. You've been set apart. You're different. Listen, Christian brothers and sisters, you're different than the world. You're supposed to act different. You're supposed to live different. You're supposed to talk different. You're supposed to, just every time someone gets around you, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be more and more like God the more you grow in his grace. He says that you should abstain from what does your Bible say? Sexual immorality. Why does Paul keep talking about this? Does he have a problem? No, he doesn't. His problem is he wants to please the Lord. That's not even a problem. That's a good thing. He says this is the will of God that you abstain from that. How many times have we been exposed to something intentionally because we want to do it or we want to see it or we want to say it? Or we, we do it intentionally. Paul said, abstain from it. Walk this way. Live this way. He continues that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. That's your body. In sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust, just like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of you of, of, and defraud his brother in this matter. But because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness or sinfulness, but in holiness. God called us, church, to holiness. This is to the brothers and sisters. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but he rejects God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit of God to give us direction in life, do we not? We have the Word of God to show us exactly in our language what to do and how to live. We just choose not to obey. And when we don't obey, Chris brought it up this morning, the discipline of God comes to those who belong to him. And don't go and pour them. They're going through such trouble. Uh, you wouldn't believe what's happening. And, and there's things that's happened in our culture uh, here in Aiken that we know personally, we've been personally exposed to, and God is whipping these people, even to the point of death. And Everyone outside that don't know the story goes, wow, poor them. God's really giving them a Job experience. Job was righteous. 
And if you're living unrighteous as a Christian today, God's going to whip your behind. Can I say that publicly? God's going to spank you. He's going to discipline you in a way that's embarrassing. Your private sin is going to get exposed publicly. You're going to be exposed. Listen, when Paul talks about this, these people are so prideful in the church. They're going, wow, all this immorality around us. I was saved from all this Roman background stuff, and now I'm a Christian. You know what? I'm so pride, prideful, I'm not even going to have sex. So that dude that was in our church, y'all know that guy? Y'all know the man? You know, the one we had, Town Creek, had exactly that situation where a man has his father's stepmother, uh, stepwife. It was, his, it was his stepmother. He married his stepmother. I invited him to church not knowing anything. He sat right there with three of his stepbrothers, raised them as his own children. They called him Bubba. Somebody see a problem with that? What would you recommend to him when he said, what should I do? I've never recommended this in my life. I don't know I'll ever recommend it again. I said, divorce that woman before you have children. Because you're going to end up being their uncle, grandpa. How sick is that? And it's so demented. There's even cartoons called Uncle Grandpa. Some of you have watched it. I've just seen it. Going, how stupid can somebody be to come up with a title like that? But it's a real world situation that happened on the second pew right here at Town Creek Baptist Church. So this is when Paul is saying this. This is not just something that's speculative and going, wow, what? That would be crazy. Paul is saying, listen, there is this person in your church. Cast them out. And as the person gets cast out, what happens? We don't hate the person. We want to see them actually restored, but they got to do the right way. they got to do it God's way to, rest, to restoration. God always seeks to restore us back to right fellowship. Do you understand that, church, this morning? This is hard stuff, but it's intentional that we would love God and he would love us. We would receive his love in return. Well, look at your notes. Verse 2 there is very clear. Sexual immorality in relationships was within the church. It's happening over and over. But some people say, I'm abstaining. I'm, I got saved in that sorry husband I got, right? Or I, I got saved in that sorry wife I got. She still wants to go to the market. She still wants to go down and do the idol worship. She still wants to go get meat uh, from the market. That was, she knows I can't eat that stuff because it leads me back to temptation. Paul's going to address all of that when he goes to the scripture. He's addressing everybody. The one who thinks they're so sanctimonious they can't have any kind of relationships in marriage anymore because he's not a Christian. And, and I don't want to give my holy body to Satan. You ever been there? Right? It's not given. Well, you'll see what Paul, Paul's going to address that. Well, God provided clarity for believers through the Apostle Paul. He's going, to say, he's going to speak directly to this. Paul also provided instructions, I told you before, to singles, divorced, widowed, and the married. That's everyone. Because all of us were single at one point. Is that true? Yes? All right. So we were all there. So we, it, it was us. And some of you are single, it is you. Some of you are married, that is you. Some of you are unmarried, divorced, that is you. And some of us are, like I said, we fall in this situation. Some of us are widowed, and that is you. Paul talks to you and to me. Even as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he's talking to who? Take your finger like this and point to your neighbor. That way you can get away with it, right? Paul's talking to you. Or point to yourself. He's talking to me. He's speaking to me. Because we're going to get to the end of this going, wait a minute. All right, if this is the case, I've messed up and I feel like I'm in a really rotten situation. What about me? Here's the beautiful thing before I get through the heavy lift and get out of here. There's always forgiveness, amen? God gives beautiful forgiveness. That's the love of God, all right? We don't sin so that we can actually go out and say, oh, God, thank you that you forgive me because your grace abounds. Paul says in Romans 6, God forbid that you would ever do that. A Christian don't want to go do the wrong thing. A true Christian wants to do what God wants him or her to do. God, he wants to live, and she wants to live to please God with their lives. 
So Paul's going to address this. Let's continue. Verses 2 in the first part of 3. Those who have never married should, have, should not have sex outside of marriage. Is that, is that profound? Whew. Right? But what happens, listen, when you turn, and I talk to the children, uh, not children, they're, they're young people. The teenagers know this. I don't know what age you start through this. Right after puberty, you start processing. Boys are driven to like girls. Focus on the family talked about that when boys were interviewed, teenage boys were interviewed, they think about sex every 1.3 seconds. And they lied on the survey, if you know what I mean. Listen, ladies, men are driven. God put this stuff in us called testosterone, right? There's a chemical. We, we want to go. we pretty, right? We want to hunt. We want to tear up. We explode. We're, we're, we're dumb sometimes. But God made us the way we are. We like women. I don't know if you know that or not. That's, but here's the deal. God put in the lady as well. You are supposed to like men. That's why you wash your hair with fruity smells, and that's why you put makeup and different things on your bodies. Uh, that's why you do what you do, because you know, you go, mm, I look good, and you know that's attractional, because you know the men are looking. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Come on, y'all ain't like, not me, Pastor. No, I'm sure. You're like these people in, in Corinth. You want to attract a man, especially in, when you're dating. So when we get teenagers, we say, why do you think I dwell so much on these cell phones? Why do you, listen, our children are watching pornography and you're paying 80 bucks a month so Satan can pump that into their eyeballs, into their soul. They can't get it out. And it's not just children today. Now it's teenagers and it's senior adults. Go watch lunch. It used to be watching just kids. Mom and dad say, here, eat, eat your spaghetti and shut up. And the kids are going, <laughs> and now they turn it wide open for you to hear. You ever hear people talk? Me and Mike would eat last week, and some lady beside us, she was in, six, in her 60s, and she, she wanted us to hear what she wanted to hear. I just about grabbed her phone and wanted to shove it in her, her chow mein or whatever she was eating. Just stop. I don't want to hear your trash. I don't want to hear your mama. I don't want to hear nothing. Keep it to yourself. But our society's become so open that it's my rights, and I have a right to do what I want to do. Is that not where we live in today? And you, church, have a responsibility to your kids and to yourself to be holy. If you're looking at stuff, get rid of your phone. If you say, well, Pastor, I just got a problem. Well, there's an easy way to fix the problem. Throw the phone in the pond. Don't make the payment. Have a bad credit score. Get over yourself because it's going to happen. Listen, church, listen to me. It's going to happen more and more and more. You cannot have a situation where you say, young people, you be celibate and you set your side apart. You set yourself apart and you abstain till marriage. What the Word of God says, you can read it, but you turn back around and say, Here, go watch every piece of pornography you want to watch, baby. It's okay, I'll pay the bill. Can you have it both ways? There's an inside drive for those boys who want to see girls, and there's an inside drive inside of those girls who want to date boys. And there's this love and this passion. And we say, Keep it under control, keep a bridle in it till you get married because God blesses. Holy marriage. God has a plan for purity for marriage. But here, baby, just do whatever you want to do. Go watch it and, and help yourself. Can you have it both ways? We don't say amen many times because we as adults are doing the very same thing. I've asked this question before. Do you have your child's password? Do you pick up that phone and see what they've looked at the last hour? Do you have your spouse's iPhone password or computer password? Do you look at what they've been looking at? And listen, it's time to confront as well. Don't just shy away saying, well, it's not my business. It is your business if it's in your house. If it's your dollar bills that are paying for it, it's your business. 
How else can they be holy? How else can you bring them around? They're just going to keep going. Satan's going to keep digging them till they get so depraved that they will have homosexual relationships. Did you know that? Did you know that? The professor that was fired for, for advocating for pedophilia is now being reinstated and his papers are going to be published. Did you know that? Is anybody good with a grown man who likes to have sexual relationships with little children? Is anybody good with that? No, but we will tolerate it. We look the other way going, wow, this sick world we live in. We're making the world sick. They would not produce it if we didn't buy it or didn't give our monthly fees to it. Is that true, church? We as a church of God must do something that only we as the church of God can do. We can't change the world. We know the days are evil. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, perilous times are coming in the last days. Look at that 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read it this morning, but read it for yourself. Take a note and see if that's not a list of everything that's happening on the street corners, at your house, and at my house. Everywhere on the street, everywhere down the road, everywhere in town, that's what's happening. We will celebrate Halloween like nothing flat. Evil will add witchcraft. We'll go down this whole thing and go, oh, trick or treat, which I'm not against trick or treat, and I think you should go trick or treat. We've done light up tonight here. Go give out the gospel. Go tell someone about Jesus Christ. But don't dress up like the devil. Why would you dress up like the devil? Oh, it's fun. It's creepy, right? We are enticed by the way Satan puts things in a package. He never says boo. Did y'all know that? It's always casual. It's always fun. How does the Satan look in costumes? He's got cool little horns and a little red outfit and a little tail. <clears throat> the Bible says he appears as an angel of light. He will destroy you. He is a liar. He is a murderer since his beginning when he sinned. Listen, Satan will take you to the lowest point in your life. You say, Pastor, that's too overwhelming. Well, listen, Paul's going to continue. Listen, because there was something going on in the church of Corinth. It got as vulgar as you could possibly can get. Did you know here in Aiken, I told the kids in our, in our high school class, people will go from inappropriate relationships, maybe visually stimulated. They'll go to same-sex relationships. They'll go to relationships with children, as vulgar as that sounds. And they'll digress to relationships with animals. It's called bestiality. Did you know our, our, even our bylaws of our church cover that? This is what we say in our school. Why would we have to say that? The, the week I taught that to the students, there was a man who was caught breaking into a horse farm and they couldn't figure out why the horse was being infected. And it was on the front page of the Aiken Standard just uh, what, a year and a half or two years ago. And this man was, had, he'd lowered himself to the level of bestiality. Does that gross anybody out and make you sick to your stomach? That's how sin should look to us today in every form, not just in the form of going, oh, I can't believe that. It happened right here in Aiken. Look it up. I'll find the paper for you if I need to, if you don't believe me. It's man's common denominator will go as low as we possibly can go, worse than the animals. We'll do worse than the animals. If you read Leviticus going, Ugh, don't do this, don't do that. And I asked the students, why did God put that in the word of God? Because he knew men's heart, everything about the heart is evil. And they'll go to the lowest common denominator. They have done it or will do that. That's why God says don't. And why does God say don't? Because he loves you and he wants you to live a holy and righteous life. He wants you on the right path. He wants you on his path, doing it his way. God loves you. Well, those who have never married should not have sex outside of marriage. If there is a struggle in thought and action with overpowering sexual temptations, Paul says get married. Get married quickly. Don't extend your engagement. Don't date for a long time. Because what happens when you date for a long time, you say, well, we're just holding hands. You ever hear that when you talk to teenagers? We're just holding hands. 
And what's happening, oh, we just, just a little kiss on the cheek, and, and this little kiss, and, and then it's just an embrace, a, a long embrace when I say bye. And you parents are letting kids, you, you know, would you date me? Would you go with me? Or whatever you call it today. If you're chaperoning your, car, your kids around, stop it. If they're not old enough to drive a car, here's our rule in our house. You can legally date when you can legally drive. Don't ask me to take you to here and there. You can go to the movies and have fun, but don't spend all the time just sitting around sucking face and hugging up on the couch. And, and go, don't ever let your kids go to their bedroom with another opposite sex. Well, now today you've got to watch same sex. Your kids are into depravity, overwhelming. These people in Corinth were the same way. You say, well, listen, let me just stop right here. Let me just stop preaching. Am I telling the truth? Yes. Are we going to do something about this when we walk out of this room? Are you going to deal with your student? Are you going to deal with yourself? Look in the mirror of the word of God, not in the mirror, but deal with it. Listen, and ask the question, am I a pervert? Because if you do perverted things, you know that qualifies you as a pervert. Do you not know that? Did y'all know that? That's offensive, isn't it? But if you pay for your child to see pornography, and your child's seeing pornography, you are a purveyor of perversion, therefore you are a perverted person. We don't like that word, do we? Come on, let's see how quiet it's getting in here. Because look, I'm touching on the very place that the church of Corinth was. It makes us feel sick and saying, I don't like this, but I know it's true, but don't come to my house with that business. Just leave me alone. You do you and I'll do me. And I'll answer to God. Oh, yes, you are. And yes, I am. But God's got a call on our church. Listen, our church life today, he's calling Christians to stand for holiness, to stand for godliness. In a dark culture, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father. Where? Who is in heaven. This is our responsibility that we have to one another today. Paul continues, listen, verse 3, husbands and wives must fulfill their marital responsibilities toward one another in goodwill and kindness. This isn't just a sexual relationship. This is being kind. This is having a relationship of, of conversation. This is having an intimate time, spending more time with your spouse than you spend with your BFFs and spending more time with your spouse than you do with your children. This is not idol worship, but this is loving in, in the kingdom of God how God wants husbands and wives to do, fulfill their responsibilities. You say, well, I don't have time. Then I want to encourage you today as your pastor to make time. Make time. Godly marriage, look at verse 4. Godly marriage sta uh, standards are so important. Husbands and wives share mutual authority of one's bodies, of one another's bodies. Did you ever know that your husband has charge of your body, wives? A portion of it? And wives, did you know that you have authority over your husband's body? Doesn't sound right. Like, I'm a self-made man. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. That's not what the scripture says. When you get married, God sees holy matrimony that you're two become what? One, we read that scripture this morning. It was God's plan. Marriage is God's plan and his purpose. Somebody says, well, oh, this is my out right here then. We're going to talk about lost people and saved people being married. He's going to tell them very clearly, listen, if you're, you get saved and you're married to a lost person and they're, they're willing to stay with you, don't leave them. Because we think that's an out. Some people say, aha, see, I can actually marry a lost person. Does Paul and the word of God say, do not be unequally yoked? So you cannot go out and say, I'm just going to bring him to church with me. And I know if I bring him long enough, he'll come to Jesus. Mama, I love him. And just help me. And what do most mothers do? It's so cute watching them together. And he's not a Christian. His family is far from God. But I believe he'll come to Christ if we just bring him to church. How many of y'all fell for that? Don't raise your hand. Some of you fell for that trap, right? It's a lie from Satan. It's a lie from Satan. I, I don't say a lie from the pit of hell because I believe hell is purifying fire. And it, there's no lies coming out of hell. 
Only truths are coming out of hell. You ask anybody in hell, is Jesus king, Lord of lords? They'll say, amen, yes, he is. Uh, was your sins, did your sins send you to hell? Yes, they did. Murders, whatever might be, they're going to list. Hell is a purifying fire made by God for God's judgment and everything that comes out of hell. Listen, except those demons and they're going to be doing God's will. I believe it's purifying fire. I don't believe it's a pit alive from the pit of hell. Don't ever give that credibility. It's a lie from Satan. Just call who the author of it is. It's from him, from him himself. Let's continue. The two, the authorities of one another's bodies, the two have become one and are yoked together. The only way I know to tell you this is you're hooked together. Go to Cracker Barrel and look above the door. If you ever going, who's been to Cracker Barrel here in town? I don't like it anymore, but uh, there's a there's a yoke right above the door. If you look right where you walk in the door, double doors. There's an oxen yoke right there. Stick your head in the yoke. What happens if you stick your head in the yoke with another person? Wherever they snatch you around, whoever's the stronger person is going to snatch the other person around. That was the idea of training an oxen or training a cow to plow. He said, not me. I'm going to bring him to church. I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to do all the things I'm supposed to do, but I'm just going to date this guy or this girl. No, you're not. They're going to snatch you around. They're going to pull you left and right. They're going to pull you where they want you to be until they have their way with you, and then they'll discard you like garbage if you're not careful, or they'll treat you like garbage. And I want to tell you, listen, in high school and college, if he was a playboy back then, guess what he is today? Come on. Except for the grace of God, he's a playboy today. If he had multiple girlfriends, listen, I, that's why I tell kids, don't date. Don't let your children date unless that's the man or woman they're going to marry. Go out together as friends, yes. But dating and breaking up is practice for divorce. That's all it is. Get rid of the person I don't agree with anymore. Get rid of the person I don't agree with me anymore. Date, break up, date, break up. Watch Paul what he says. Listen, when we get to marriage, verse 5, first part. Intimacy is not to be dismissed in marriage except for a time of spiritual retreat, which has been agreed upon by both husband and wife. Don't weaponize sex in a marriage. You can't withhold because you're mad at your husband. Or as Orrin thought of this morning, used to be in movies, it was she had a headache, right? There's a headache or there's something coming up. Now, there's that time of a woman's monthly as well. There's a period of that that the Bible talks about. It talks fully about a woman's monthly cycle. It talked about even the Hebrew law was there seven days after her cycle was over. That was unpurity. The rabbis added five more to it and made it 12, so 12 to 14 days. That way you're in the ovulation cycle, and you're going to get pregnant when you do come back together because they preached and taught that uh, sex was surely just for propagation. Just, just have, another, have another baby. Well, God brings it for that, right? right? We, sex was for, listen, that's how you got here. I don't know if you know that or not. That's how you got here today. But it's also for pleasure. But it's also for purity. It's for all the things that the church, as God even relates the relationship of a husband and a wife, to that of Jesus Christ and his church in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. So this bigger than you and me. It's, it's bigger than this global picture. You say, what about us? We're so far beyond uh, those personal relationships uh, that uh, my body's old, won't do it anymore. Listen, st God still has a plan for your intimacy, that quiet time, that time of spending together, to holding hands, to writing love letters, to, to being connected with each other at a di deeper level than you are with your BFS or anybody else in your life, or even many of you are more closer to the secretary at work than you're on to your own personal wife or to a coworker than you are to your own husband. Stop that. That's how, that's how inappropriate relationships begin. Don't spend more time. Don't send flowers to a woman at work that you won't send to your wife. And don't, don't do things and have conversations with a man. I won't go to lunch with a woman unless I have another person with me, man or woman. I know in our culture today that so we're equal. Men and women are equal. 
Vice President Pence, when he was in office, he wouldn't meet with a woman privately. And they said, well, you, who do you think you are? We're CEOs and vice presidents as well. And you think you're better than us. That's not the idea. The idea is holiness standard. We call it the Billy Graham standard in, in ministry. He would never meet with ladies by himself. Three of us can go anywhere. Two of us can't. And if you hold that standard to yourself, that removes temptation or even your integrity because your integrity is the only thing that you, belong, that you own. And when that's taken away, guess what's going to happen? People can say anything about you they want to say about you, and you can't disprove it because you haven't lived it. Let me encourage you today. Let's go through the notes. Let's finish up. You'll see this. Satan will attempt to deceive many who lack self-control. Who don't, I should have said not like. That's the wrong word. Let me change your notes. To exercise. Satan will attempt to deceive many who lack exercising self-control, especially in the realm of human sexuality. You have sex, sexual control, self-control, because the Spirit of God lives within you. That's why you have it. Do you understand that? It's not because you can do it on your own. It's because He lives within you if you are a Christian. I want you to look at today, look at the Catholic Church. There was a group of men, they set aside and said, you can never marry. And the Bible's clear, if you're burning with passion to have sexual relationships, what's happening in the church today? It's across the board, but we've seen it lots in the Catholic Church. These men can't marry, and what are they doing? They've abused children and girls. Only God knows how many have been abused in the name of Jesus Christ. God forbid. Listen, Paul's going to, he's going to continue. Don't do this. Don't set aside. Paul, verse 6 and 7, Paul gave his, his personal testimony. His singleness was a gift of God. Paul was part of the Sanhedrin previously. He was a Pharisee, so Paul had been married previously. We don't know what happened to his wife. We know he didn't just pack up and leave her because he wouldn't do that. Uh, but she's possibly ha has died. Paul, Paul had to be, to get into Sanhedrin, he had to be married. So, we don't know what his status was, why he was single, but uh, Paul previously understood what he's talking about. He had been on both sides, if you will, of the fence and being single and being married, but now he's single again, if you will, through some situation. Paul gave his personal testimony. His singleness was a, he called it a gift from God. So singles today, don't think yourself, listen, if you're constantly burning saying, I just gotta, I gotta do everything I can. I gotta wear long dresses. I gotta keep myself at home. I gotta lock myself in my room just so I don't think about those sexual desires that's not good. That's burning with passion. That's burning with lust. If you're constantly watching romantic movies, quit watching them, right? Don't go watch something that's going to entice you to feel that emotional rush that says, oh, I'd just love to have that relationship, but I just can't. I can't. I feel guilty. Guilty pleasures, right? Don't do that. If you're burning within, with lust, what do you do? Paul says, say it, with, say it with me, church. If you can't stand yourself because you so desperately want to have a sexual relationship, what should you do? You say, but marriage is just between this holy metro and I've got to find the right person. Paul said, get married, right? There are a lot of somebodies in Corinth. You say, well, isn't that what, what, is, what is God's plan? Isn't that a perfect person for me? Yes, they are. But here's what you do. When you get married, you marry another believer, right? You don't go to the bar looking for a believer, uh, looking for a Christian. Where, do you, where should you go if you're looking for a Christian mate? Come to church, not Christian single. Somebody might have slid that out. Don't go there. Come to the church. But God's given avenues for the church to meet. So let's continue. Let's, let's finish. I know we're, we're late in this thing, but this is something very important for the church today. The unmarried were singles who were formerly married. It says that to the unmarried. That's what the, I want you to have that clarity. The widows were singles whose spouse had died. Both groups were challenged to remain celibate unless they lacked self-control or didn't exercise self-control. They were instructed to marry if they burned with passion or burning with lust, your translation might say, in order not to engage in sexual immorality. Make sure you got that. It was for everybody, for singles, for the divorce, for the widows. If you can't stand yourself because you need that intimate relationship because you've been exposed to it or you never, you think about it all the time, get married. Does that sound hard? 
Does that sound like it cheapens marriage? Paul was very clear. He's speaking on behalf of God. Listen, do it God's way, what you're going to get, church. God's results, even in every situation. Does God love marriage? Does God love you? This is why he put it in the Word of God. He wants you to do it his way. Christian married couples are commanded. This is us as, as married people. Christian married couples are commanded to keep their marriage vows. Does that sound complicated? How many people are busting them up today? They're bursting. They burst their vows. They break their vows because, Pastor, you don't understand that woman I'm married to. I married her. didn't know all that baggage was with her. I didn't know that happened to her when she was little. And Pastor, that man I married, listen, he comes with all kind of territory, and I don't want any part of it. God expects you to keep your marriage vows. Till death do you part. For richer, for poorer, in health, in sickness. Listen, God expects what you promised to him that day. He was a witness there. He was the silent witness at your wedding. And I need to tell you this. I've been married 35 years this November to my beautiful wife, and we're always making adjustments in marriage. Your dates might turn into breakfast dates, and your dates might turn into brunch dates or lunch dates, or if you've got children, you've got to find any time you can to have those dates. And listen, within the church, if you don't have parents or grandparents in town, find somebody that can actually watch your kids that you can trust and that you know would love them and go out on dates. Spend that time. Don't let your time be taken away with just parenting. Don't get that way because, listen, you could cause your husband or your wife to engage in sin. Lastly, Verse 15 and 16, God commands Christians to live in peace. Personal relationships vary, and God has answers for each one of them. Did you know that? Humans complicate the simple plan of God because of selfish desires. Divorce is the death of marriage, and the Bible says God hates divorce. We'll talk about that next week. Don't forget, listen, there's room for forgiveness. So don't walk out here feeling, I feel so unclean, all right, all this conversation. But that would the wife being set apart, if she's, if she's married to a Christian man, with the husband being set apart or sanctified, the word the Bible uses, or the children are made holy, that's not salvation. Think of this picture. Let me give you a bigger picture. It's a cowboy who is corralling cows. You ever seen the picture in Old Western when they got the herd of cattle and they've got a corral, they got the gates open, and they're running constantly and they're corralling them where? To captivity. So if you're a Christian today married to an unbeliever, listen, keep, keep praying, keep acting like Jesus in their presence. And what you're doing is you're corralling them to the place that they can't go anywhere. You brought Jesus into the house. Amen? But if you're as nasty as the world, they never, ever want to turn to you. They never want to turn to your Jesus because your Jesus is not real. He's just a Sunday morning Jesus. You have to live like Jesus, show them Jesus. And what happens is they're corralled by the Holy Spirit, pushed in, so that what they have to do is they're faced with their sinfulness. And they'll see you. We asked earlier in Catalyst how many of us were one of us was, after, after marriage, did one of us become a Christian, then later the other one? If you did, let me see your hands. I know Wendy and I, I became a Christian, and then Wendy later became a Christian. And raise your hand. Let me, let me let look around the church. It's not a bunch. But listen, it happens. It happens that we, God's way is, you do it God's way, you get God's results. And you say, well, how? I want it tomorrow. We want our person, our, our spouse saved yesterday, our children saved now. And a lot of people are taking this, in, especially in the reform realm, of saying, no, because I'm saved, my family's saved. Every person, every single human, must give an account for themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your kids are not saved because you're saved. Your spouse is not saved because you're saved. They must have a personal 
love relationship with Jesus Christ themselves. But what we can do is we can usher that in, we can love them in, and we can actually stand before God saying, God, would you please sick God on them, if you will. God, send the Holy Spirit to crush their spirit. Send something in their life to bring them to Jesus Christ. In love, pray for them and ask God to change their life. And guess what he does? He desires them to come, Christ, to, come to Christ more than you desire. He said, well, you don't know my situation. I'm walking out of here defeated because you don't know my situation. I don't, but I think it was covered in the, today's sermon, was it not? If you're single, God knows. He loves you, has a plan for your life. Can you remain single for your whole life? Yes, it's a gift of God. Because Orrin talked about it. Every time we see a single person at church, we go, hey, I got this friend. Right? He's a little sketchy sometimes, but, you know, I want to get you together. We do that. That's what's our, don't do it. Singleness is a gift from God. Marriage is a gift from God. Right? Would you agree? He who finds a wife finds what? A good thing. That's what I found, right? I found a good thing. I found a completer of me, my helpmate for life. And if you're unmarried today, you've been through a divorce, you go, well, I'm just used goods. No, you're not. Keep working until the Lord Jesus Christ either brings about change your life or stay single. You've got a job to do. And if you're a widow today, listen, he loves you. How many times does God speak about widows today? He loves you. But if you're burning with desire, guess what you should do? He even tells young, uh, in 1 Timothy, tell those young widows to get married and keep house, have some youngins, right? Stay busy for the kingdom because if you're not, you'll start creeping into other people's houses, bringing your sin to their location, to their address. Let me encourage you today, no matter where you find yourself today, submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, is there any perversion, any sin in me that I need to have cleansed out and tell him right now why you can't. If you haven't been living that Christian life, listen, tell him. But if you're not a Christian, tell him because he loves you and he wants you to succeed in life. We must be telling our children and parents, please, grandparents, especially if you're doing it, you need to repent. Don't do this. Don't buy your grandchildren and children toys that connect to the internet anymore. Listen, it's going to, you're killing them. Well, they just like that leapfrog and it's let's go learn and whatever stuff on there. Don't do it. Don't give them access because you're killing their soul. Hear me say this. And if your kid goes on that road and then, Pastor, my daughter's pregnant. I don't know what's wrong. It's because you helped it many times. You would not stop it many times. They're in the wrong relationship. It's because you fed that sinful desire instead of taking it away and saying, you won't do that in my house. This is my house, and that's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We can only do so much as the church, as your friends, as brothers, sisters in Christ. You have to stand up, and you have to lead your family no matter what status you find yourself this morning. Amen? I want you to do this in the presence of God. If you feel responsible for your personal self and your family, I want you to stand today. I want you to see. Because some people don't. If you don't stand, I'm not, oh, you are responsible. But here's what I want you to understand. Before God Almighty, you are responsible for yourself. You are. Let's pray. Father God, as we stand in your presence, all of us know we've been there, done something really inappropriate. We've done something that we are ashamed of, Lord. And even with sexual sins, we get there and go, man, if I hadn't of, if I would have, or could have, or should have seen that. Lord, you're the God who forgives and you tell us very clearly, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, as we stand in your presence of ready to sing to you at this time of invitation, time of response, I pray you would burden our hearts really deeply, Lord, 
If we find sin, we'd confess it to each other or to you, God. Cleanse our hearts and our lives that we might have pure hands and a pure heart. Seek your face and, Lord, live victorious lives in Jesus Christ that you offer. Thank you so much for that cleansing, Father, you bring. As we pray and sing, Lord, we ask that in the presence and the power of the holy name of Jesus for his sake. Amen.